turn with me in your Bibles to Psalm 146. We're going to be looking at Psalm 146 this morning as we continue with our Summer in the Psalms series. And you can follow along now as I read this psalm for us. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, O my soul. I will praise the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praises to my God while I have my being. Put not your trust in princes, in a son of man in whom there is no salvation. When his breath departs, he returns to the earth. On that very day, his plans perish. Blessed is he whose help is in the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord his God, who made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, who keeps faith forever, who executes justice for the oppressed, who gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets the prisoner free. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the sojourners. He upholds the widow and the fatherless, but the way of the wicked he brings to ruin. The Lord will reign forever. Your God, O Zion, to all generations. Praise the Lord. And let's remember that this is the word of the Lord that never comes back empty, but always accomplishes his purpose. An elderly gentleman was sitting at a park bench one sunny day when a Another older fellow came and sat beside him. They, they looked at each other but didn't say anything. They just stared straight ahead in silence. But after a while, one of them heaved a big, heartfelt sigh. Well, immediately the other said, If you're going to talk politics, then I'm leaving. And off he went in a huff. Sensitivity over politics might not be that bad in Canada right now, but it's close as we enter into another election. And I have to say, I sure have heard many sighs over this whole situation. Seriously, another election with everything else that's going on in the world? Recent study found that nearly two-thirds of Canadians do not want this election. While political analysts are pointing to a concerning increase in voter apathy. This is partly due to a glut of recent elections. Just think here in Saskatchewan, over the past 22 months, we've already had a federal, provincial, and municipal election. But maybe a bigger factor in Canadians being apathetic to what's going on is an increasing frustration with federal, provincial, municipal politics, and politicians letting us down in countless ways, whether it be failing to keep campaign promises, the endless ethical scandals and mishandling of investigations, uh, the shameless power grabs of career politicians, the hard-nosed partisanship that gets nothing accomplished, the bowing down to special interest groups and wealthy, powerful lobbyists, or More recently, the hypocrisy of lockdown-defying politicians who broke their own rules publicly. It's difficult to get engaged in an election under such disappointing circumstances. It's much easier to grumble and to gripe and to grow in apathy, anxiety, or even anger. But it's that how Christians should respond 
to the many failings of politics and politicians in general, or to this frustrating federal election in particular. I know this is how many of you are feeling today. I've heard your conversations. I've seen what you're posting online. Many of you are apathetic. Some of you are anxious, and a few of you are quite angry. Is that how we should respond as Christians? Well, as we're now going to see in this morning's text, there's actually another way, a very different and distinctly biblical way for God's people to respond, and it's this. When people in power let us down, we must continue to praise the Lord. First, because he is always reliable. So we see in verse 1 to 2, the psalmist begins, Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, O my soul. I will praise the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praises to my God while I have my being. Now, this psalm is the first of five final psalms of praise, often called Hallel Psalms, because that's the Hebrew word we translate praise. And actually, when it's connected with the Lord in Hebrew, forms the well-known expression hallelujah, or praise the Lord. Now, notice the readers are invited to do this, to praise the Lord at both the beginning and the end of the psalm. And with the psalmist, we are to praise the Lord, not just with our mouths, but notice with our souls, our our whole inner being. And not just for a while, but the psalmist says, while I have my being. In other words, as long as we live and then forevermore. Always, all the time, with all of ourselves, praising the Lord. I like what Matthew Henry says about this. He says, this I will do constantly while I live, every day of my life and to my life's end. Nay, I will do it while I have any being. For when I have no being on earth, I hope to have a being in heaven, a better being to be doing it better. What a way to to think about our life on earth and life in eternity. All of it can be summed up as praise to God. That's what we're to be living for. That's what we're to be about, now and forever. Now, what's the motivation for such praise? Why should God's people live for this? Well, the psalmist moves on to make a statement that at first seems disconnected. He warns the people of God that we must not put our trust in people with power. So, verse 3 and 4, "...put not your trust in princes." In a son of man in whom there is no salvation. When his breath departs, he returns to the earth. On that very day, his plans perish. Throughout the history of Israel, the people of God were tempted to rely on mortal men to save them from trouble and tribulations, especially uh, national and foreign kings. But every time, they were sorely disappointed while Powerful people let them down. The prophet Isaiah warned God's people of this often. Especially in Isaiah 31.3, he says, The Egyptians are man and not God, and their horses are flesh and not spirit. When the Lord stretches out his hand, the helper will stumble. He who is helped will fall, and they will all perish together. 
Well, now the psalmist gives a similar warning in our text, and really for the same reason. Essentially, he's saying this, look, no matter how wonderful this or that prince or politician might seem, how great his power, how good his promises, how grand his plans, he will let you down somewhere, some way in the end, because he is only human. He is a son of man who will fail and fall sooner or later. And so do not put your trust in them. Do not rest your hope in princes and politicians, people in power. That's what the psalmist is warning here. And church, we need to hear that warning just as much today as Israel did in their time. Because we are just as prone to put our hope in princes in politicians, in politics, aren't we? If my guy gets in, the country's saved. But if the other guy gets in, we're all doomed. Well, sorry to burst anyone's bubble, but whoever our MP or our prime minister might be, They are human, they are fallible, they sin like you and me, and they will one day perish along with all of their promises and plans. So be careful, especially at election time, how much hope you are putting in them. And specifically, I just want to encourage us all to guard our hearts against the idol of politics from investing too much of ourselves into it. Yes, of course, good can come through the political process, but it's only temporary, and it's ultimately superficial. It will finally let us down one way or another. But God, the psalmist goes on to tell us, never will. He is forever faithful. Verse 5 and 6. Blessed is he whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord his God, who made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, who keeps faith for every. Okay, so when, when everything is said and done, Justin Trudeau, Aaron O'Toole, Jagmeet Singh, are finite, fallible people. But the Lord God of Jacob is the infinite, infallible creator who keeps faith forever and is the blessed help and hope of those who put their trust in him. Do you see this stark contrast the psalmist is making here? Don't put your hope in princes, in politicians, in people in power. They will perish. They will let you down. But rather put your hope in the almighty creator who is always faithful and who will never let you down. The one who is therefore always worthy of our praise. When people in power let us down, we must continue to praise the Lord because he, unlike them, is always reliable. But there's more. He is also always righteous. So verse 7 and 9, he goes on to describe the Lord God of Jacob. 
who executes justice for the oppressed, who gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets the prisoners free. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the sojourners. He upholds the widow and the fatherless. But the way of the wicked he brings to ruin. So during an election, we can go online and we can compare the different policies of the different parties and politicians, right? We can consider their procedures, priorities, and plans, and then make an informed decision. Well, in a sense, the verse we just read reveals the political policies of Almighty God, His procedures, His priorities, His plans, how He faithfully rules over all now through his divine providence, and how one day he will rule over all through the direct power of Christ when he returns to establish his kingdom on earth, just as was prophesied long ago. Isaiah 9, 7, for example, says, Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Church, that's what we can look forward to when Christ comes again to establish his perfect, righteous kingdom. But it's also what we can look for right now as God providentially reigns from heaven with very specific priorities that are given here, that reveal the heart of God and what should be our heart as well. First, it says that the Lord executes justice for the oppressed. He, he upholds the cause of the exploited, which we see throughout Scripture in God's special concern for social injustices. So, for example, in the New Testament, James 5, 4, we read, Behold, the wages of the laborers who mowed your fields, which you kept back by fraud, are crying out against you, and the cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord of hosts. What an image. And what a, another reminder of this truth, that the Lord executes justice for the oppressed. But then secondly, the Lord gives food to the hungry. That's a, a truth that is especially meaningful in our day, important today, when 800 million people suffer from hunger, and every day 25,000 people die from hunger-related disease causes. God cares about that. He always has, he always will. And he uses his people who care to meet those needs. Like Jesus said, I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. The Lord gives food to the hungry. Next, the Lord sets the prisoners free. Here, most likely speaking of those who are unjustly imprisoned. Something that God also has and continues to accomplish, specifically through the witness of his people in history. Isaiah 58, 6-7 says, is not this the fast that I choose, to loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the straps of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free, and to break every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into your house when you see the naked to cover him? The Lord sets the prisoners free. But there's more. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. Friends, he has compassion on those who are suffering physically. 
And in our day, we would say those who are suffering in that way needlessly, if only they had the health care that we enjoy. Next, the Lord lifts up those who are bowed down, those whose bodies are broken and bent over because of slave labor, sweatshops, and other exploitive work conditions. He lifts them up. Psalm 145, David testifies to this. In verse 14, the Lord upholds all who are falling and raises up all who are bowed down. Next, the Lord loves the righteous. We see throughout the scriptures how he rewards those who faithfully follow his moral laws. And this too is a a common refrain in the Psalms. For example, Psalm 11, verse 7. Here again, David testifies, For the Lord is righteous, he loves righteous deeds, the upright shall behold his face. Right? Those who are righteous are rewarded with seeing and knowing God more clearly. Next, the Lord watches over the sojourners. Right? He protects vulnerable foreigners and strangers, immigrants and refugees. This is something, too, we see throughout the Old Testament scriptures, God's special heart for them. Malachi 3.5 tells us that he will bring judgment on those who thrust aside the sojourner. Right? He watches over them. He cares for them. Next, the Lord upholds the widow and the fatherless. These were the most vulnerable people in the ancient Near East. This is why James in James 1.27 comments, That pure religion is to visit orphans and widows in their afflictions. And today we might add other vulnerable people. The unborn, disabled, terminally ill, and elderly. And then finally, the Lord brings to ruin the way of the wicked. He inevitably frustrates the plans of evil political, social, and economic oppressors through his people and his providence. And again, David testifies to this too in Psalm 145, 20. The Lord preserves all who love him, but all the wicked he will destroy. Now, church, as we consider those policies and priorities of God and how he governs the world, now again through his providence, but one day personally through Jesus Christ, we need to ask ourselves, especially during an election, whether or not those are the policies and priorities that we are voting for. Now, yes, no politician will ever do this purely and perfectly, as God does. But it is the righteous standard by which they must govern and therefore by which we must vote. Okay, not asking, well, what will this or that politician do for me? which, of course, is what we are encouraged to ask constantly. Or, what will this or that politician do to maintain the status quo? No. Rather, in light of how God governs, in light of God's priorities and policies, God's heart, we should be asking, what will that politician or this political party do for the oppressed, exploited, for the hungry and needy, For the prisoner, for the blind and bowed down, those physically suffering, those exploited and therefore suffering. 
What will he do for the sojourner, for the immigrant and refugee? What will he do for the widow and fatherless, the unborn, the disabled, the terminally ill, the elderly? And what will this politician or this party do for the righteous and the wicked? Will they reward the righteous and punish the wicked as Romans 13 and 1 Peter 2 tells us is the government's ultimate responsibility or not? That is the standard of righteousness by which we must vote. All the while praising the Lord who is always righteous as he reigns over the universe. Well, there's one more reason to praise the Lord. That's because he is always reigning, as we see in the final verse, verse 10. The Lord will reign forever. Your God, O Zion, to all generations, praise the Lord. Now, what a perfect way to end the psalm with complete confidence in God's sovereignty, his universal rule and reign over the past, present, and future forever. Now, what a contrast that is to the princes in verse 3 to 4, to people in power who, despite all their plans, will in the end perish, right? Their rule and reign is temporary. Their political policies will not last, and all their promises will in the end fade, whether good or bad, godly or ungodly. This was true for the godless kings in the Bible, like Belshazzar of Babylon, who lost his kingdom in a night, you'll remember, as we read in Daniel 5, when Darius the Mede sacked the city according to God's plan. Or Herod Agrippa, persecutor of the early church, who we read at the end of Acts 12, lost his rule over Judea in a moment when an angel of, the God, of God struck him down because of his pride. But you know what? This is also true for godly kings, like David in 1 and 2 Samuel, Hezekiah in 2 Kings 18 to 20, and Josiah in 2 Kings 22. They weren't perfect, but they tried to do what was right in God's eyes. But nevertheless, despite their devotion to God, despite their desire to reform the nation of Israel according to God's law, each of them eventually passed away. Each of them let down their people. Eventually, their reforms perished with them. But the Lord, we're reminded here, is different. He is the everlasting God, the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, who will reign forever. Your God, O Zion, to all generations. Which again is reason to praise the Lord, to praise our God and King. Just like David did, in Psalm 145, verses 10 to 13, All your works shall give thanks to you, O Lord, and all your saints shall bless you. They shall speak of the glory of your kingdom and tell of your power to make known to the children of man your mighty deeds and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and your dominion endures throughout all generations. Now, what a difference that perspective and that kind of praise makes in our lives as God's people, particularly during an election. While we vote for who we believe is, believe is best to, to uh, govern our country, the best candidate, the best political party, 
using the previous verses and others to, to guide our decision for the good of our country, right? That, that matters. We, we want to think not of ourselves primarily, but the good of our country. We do all of that knowing that whoever governs, whatever the results of the election might be, God still reigns. In fact, whoever is in power, whether they are righteous or unrighteous, is only there because of the power and permission of God himself. Because God has put that person there. As the Apostle Paul confessed in Romans 13.1, while leaving, living under the evil Roman emperors, he said, There is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Which, by the way, was also what Daniel stated while he was living under the un unrighteous rule of different pagan kings. Daniel 4.25, he says, The Most High rules the kingdom of men and gives it to whom he will. And what hope that gives us as God's people today, especially when the political situation seems hopeless when our hopes have been dashed again and again, we've been disappointed, we've been let down time and again by politics, by politicians, by parties. We can have hope in God, knowing that he's in control, that he reigns forever. And whoever is, is governing our nation at whatever point is there by his providential appointment. And as they come and go, he remains the same. He remains on his throne. What peace that gives us. The morning after U.S. President Abraham Lincoln was assassinated, it was reported that a crowd of 50,000 people gathered before the exchange building in New York, and emotions were running high. There was danger that the crowd was going to turn into an angry mob, into violence. But then, right at the heat of the moment, a well-built man in a uniform stepped to the front of the balcony, and in a voice that rang out like a trumpet call to all the people, he cried, fellow citizens, clouds and darkness are round about him. His pavilion is dark waters and his thick clouds of the sky. Justice and judgment are the establishment of his throne. Mercy and truth go before his face. Fellow citizens, God reigns. Instantly, the chaos and commotion was stilled. As the people grasped the significance of those timely words from this wise man and ultimately from Scripture. Though their beloved president was dead, God still reigned. Now, this speaker was General James A. Garfield, who himself would become president and be assassinated, like Lincoln 16 years later, when God still reigned overall. Which, despite the incredible disappointment that must have been as well, was reason again to rejoice. Reason to praise the Lord. The same reason we have when people in power let us down. We must continue to praise the Lord. 
because he is always reliable, he is always righteous, and he is always reigning over all. So, are we praising him? Right now, during this frustrating election, is that our response to it? And afterwards, whoever wins the election, and however they govern, will we continue to praise the Lord? Don't get me wrong. We should care about this election. We should be concerned about our nation, and we should commit to do what we can to make Canada a better place, like wise voting. And it may be appropriate at times when certain politicians or parties come into power to grieve that and be concerned about it and what that might mean for our nation. But listen, if we cannot praise God the Sunday after the election, the same way we are praising him today, because the politician we voted for didn't win, the party in power is not our party, the prime minister in power is someone we don't trust, then we have put our trust in princes wrongly. And as much as we say and sing, the Lord reigns, if we are absolutely crushed, if we are absolutely consumed by what we might see as negative results of an election, we don't actually believe that. We don't actually believe that God is sovereign. But if we can praise God the Sunday after the election in the same way as today, no matter who wins or loses, then our hearts and our hope are in the right place. And we will experience the blessing of being those whose help and hope is in God. We will have a peace and a joy that transcends our political landscape because we know ultimately the Lord reigns. A few days before the Taliban regained control over Afghanistan, a group of American and Afghan pastors met for a retreat to study God's word, to pray, and to praise God in singing. And all this as they considered the coming persecution of Afghan Christians if the Taliban would succeed. Well, stories were already coming in of atrocities being carried out against Christian friends and Afghan pastors. When news came on Saturday, the Taliban were walking down the streets of Kabul. They, they wept together and they, and they prayed together for their brothers and sisters in Christ, still in Afghanistan, many with little to no chance of getting out. Then on Sunday, to close the retreat, this group of American and Afghan believers, haunted by the horrible turn of events in Afghanistan, nevertheless met to worship. They turned their minds to God's power and they tuned their hearts to God's praise. The pastor who was reporting this said, our song leader chose the hymn, a mighty fortress is our God. 
As we sang the final verse, an Afghan brother came and whispered in my ear. Ashraf Ghani, Afghanistan's president, just resigned. The Taliban are now in control. And then we sang, let goods and kindred go, this mortal life also. The body they may kill, God's truth abideth still. His kingdom is forever. Now may we likewise be found singing praises to our almighty sovereign God who reigns over all the Sunday after our free democratic election, no matter who wins. May we be found obedient to this psalm. That even when those in power let us down, we will continue to praise the Lord. Let's ask him for the grace to do so. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for how it gives us instructions for many different times and circumstances in our lives. And Lord, we thank you for this psalm which speaks so clearly to the situation we are in right now where we are, I would say most of us, if not all of us, have experienced a level of frustration with politics and politicians in the last while and especially. And, and now as we're entering this election, Lord, I pray that our hearts would be in the right place. We would not put our ultimate hope in princes and politicians, the people in power, but in you, O oh Lord. We recognize that whatever happens in this election, you reign. We'll recognize whatever happens in the coming years in our nation, you reign. And therefore, Lord, we will be found, not panicking over what's happening, not pouting, but praising you, because you are worthy of all praise, our faithful God who reigns forever. We pray this in the name of Jesus, our King. Amen. Thank you.